I want to give a shout out to the tech team too. I'm Pastor Brad, and I got to tell you that uh, uh, I'm pretty dependent on the tech team, even in this new normal, more than ever. So thank you to you folks down there in the room. Um, I, the, the, you see, I'm still, a li- I'm still a little old school. I have this, this sense that if technology fails, what am I going to do? So you probably notice this. Every time I come up here, I bring paper that has a copy of my sermon on it just in case the technology fails. But these, these folks in the tech team, that rarely happens. So God bless you. And the only, the only disappointment I have with you is, could you make me look a little uh, more handsome uh, than you do? I, you know, there's got to be a way. You know, please, you use a screen or something that makes it, anyway. All right, um, I, I am uh, glad to be with you. We are in a sermon series that I'm calling The New Normal, Following Jesus in a Time of Transition. And uh, whether we like it or not, all of us are in some sort of a transition from some place to someplace else. And uh, so this is a great time for us to think a little bit about what are some of those choices that we have to make uh, or have the, have the opportunity to make in this transitional time. I'd like to read for you this morning uh, to begin from Proverbs chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. If you want to follow along, you can do so on your electronic device, on your Bible, uh, any other way you can access this. And here it is, Proverbs 3, 3 uh, 13 to 18. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, and in her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her, those who hold her fast will be blessed. So, so that is a description of wisdom. And today's choice, if you, if you haven't captured it yet, is the choice between uh, information and wisdom. And, and we all find us in this really odd time where we have access to all kinds of information. In fact, recently, a Harvard Business Review published an article that was entitled, Death by Information Overload. Death by Information Overload. With the advent of the internet and the smartphone, they claim that information rushes at us in, in countless ways and formats, text messages, tweets, Facebook, voicemail, email, and there's probably more that I'm not even mentioning. And with the amount of information that is at our fingertips, research suggests that there is an increased um, uh, anxiety that's associated with, with not being able to process all of the information as fast as it arises. And perhaps you're sitting here in the room right now or you're watching online and you're going, yeah, that's true, that's true, <laughs> there is. And the author also points out that not everyone is exhausted by the onslaught of, of information. Some people are stimulated by all of this information and this ready access, which results in a new category, a new problem, which is called information addiction. Now, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you fall in that category? I know a few people that are information addicted. Now, here are a few statistics that come out of this Harvard uh, Business Review article. Ringing phones and email alerts lower IQs by 10 percentage points. Did you know that? 
Wow. Knowledge workers average 20 hours a week managing their email. Information overload costs the U.S. economy $900 billion a year. 60% of users check their email in the bathroom. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you are among those people, but that's a lot of people, six in ten people. 85% of computer users take their laptop with them on vacation. You ever done that? Oh, and by the way, this article that I'm, I'm quoting from right now was published in 2009. So do you think it's better or worse this many, this many years later? In the new normal, in the new normal, we have access to more information at our fingertips, not to mention the companies that provide us that information have more information about us, which is sort of the dirty little secret, right, of all of this. Every time you fill, fill out one of those clever little surveys, every time you like something on Facebook, you are giving somebody someplace information about you, which is going to enable them to know how to sell you stuff. That's the way it works. If, if you need directions, it's right there. It's, on your, it's in your phone. If you need ingredients for a recipe, it's in your phone. If you want to read the latest news about whatever subject interests you from the perspective that you already agree with, yep, it is right there in your phone. And if you want to find a doctor, plan a vacation, check how much money is in your bank account, well, you know what? It's all right there in your phone. What do we do with all of this information? Uh, in, the, in the 80s, uh, there was a uh, sociologist, philosopher named Neil Postman who wrote a book entitled Amusing Ourselves to Death, where he postulates that if we're not careful about the way that we consume media, it will diminish the quality of our life. I think that's probably come true. He describes a concept that he calls liar syndrome, L-I-A-R. I kid you not, I'm not making this up. Liar syndrome, which stands for low information to action ratio. In other words, the more information that we have access to, the less likely we are to ultimately respond. There's a saturation point at which um, I can stand up and I can preach my brains out uh, for, for an hour, and the longer I'm here, the less you're going to take home with you. That's, that's sort of the reality. Sociologists who, who study human behavior in response to media and technology notice that one of the results of this information revolution that I referred to a minute ago is that there, there's this inverse relationship between the amount of information that we have access to and the likelihood that we're actually going to do anything about it. Now think if you're a teacher and if that's true. Wow. Postman observed that once a person is saturated by a certain amount of information, it has a negative effect. The implications of liar syndrome basically means that we are inclined to respond less and less and less to the information that we have. Now, similar to Postman, there was another philosopher that was hanging around back in the 80s, and his name, or actually earlier than that, 60s and 70s, his name is Marshall McLuhan. He's a Canadian uh, philosopher. I say that for my wife's benefit and for any of you who are uh, Canadians. 
And um, he observed for the first time in modern history, it was possible to have access to so much information that, that, um, that, that human being, that we, we cope with the, the overload of this information by effectively shutting down. This is what he said in 1962. And I, I put the quote on the screen for you. A computer is a research and communication instrument that could enhance retrieval uh, obsolesce mass library organization, retrieve the individual's encyclopedia function, and flip it into a private line to speedily tailored data and of a saleable kind. Ha. Was he right? Of course. I wonder what he would have to say today to us if he was still alive, this many years later, 40, 50 years later. But perhaps more importantly, what does this have to do with the new normal that I'm describing for you, uh, and why am I even talking about this? Why am I introducing this, this idea? Well, as you know, for the past few weeks, we've been suggesting that the new normal presents us with a series of choices. We can choose anxiety over peace, and we can choose uh, fear uh, or trust. And today, the choice that we have is between information on the one hand and wisdom on the other. So, so just so you can see, I have, uh, uh, I'm functioning right now in, in sort of a wisdom mode because look, look, look what I'm wearing. The, I didn't want to, but, but there's, there's a side to me that can be wise. In, you know, in, in, in chief kingdom, you got, you got to be a chief. There's no doubt about it. Anyway, um, you see, just because we have access to all of this information, uh, it doesn't mean that it's good for us. Did you hear what I just said? Just because we have access to it doesn't mean it's good for us, especially if we're not able to control it, digest it, and process this information in a deliberate and intentional way, which, uh, to be honest, most of us don't. The scriptures refer to this process of deliberate, intentional uh, digestion of information as wisdom. As wisdom. And it's easy, of course, to blame the news organization for their bias when we don't agree with their information, right? That's what we do. What if the issue is not about the source of the news or the information, but it's about whether we, as consumers and followers of Jesus, employ the use of discernment and wisdom as we seek to understand and find meaning in the information that we're given? Folks, it's not the news problem, it's our problem. I believe that we find ourselves in a moment in history where, where the discernment of truth and the exercising of, of wisdom is more important than it has ever been. We don't have the luxury of believing everything that we are told. And, and frankly, the reason we don't have that luxury is because not all of it's true. And I, and I don't care what news source you read. Not all of it's true. So how do we move from being people who, who absorb information to people who employ wisdom? How, how do we do that? There is this lively and wonderful tradition in the biblical uh, material that's called the wisdom tradition, and you've, you've probably encountered it um, uh, somewhere along the line. If you read the Psalms or the Proverbs or Ecclesiastes or the Song of Songs, there, there's something different about this literature. It's, it's, po it's poetic in character, and, and these books you don't find 
uh, you don't find the way they're structured and what they talk about in other places in the Bible so much. They're different. They all come for the, from sort of an underlying belief that the way of wisdom is a path to a life of joy and hope and promise. That's the underlying belief of the wisdom literature. Now, whether you're reading the Proverbs' witty truisms or Ecclesiastic's sort of cynical assessment of life as, as vanity of vanities, once one walks on the way of wisdom, there's no reason to return to sort of the frenetic gathering of information, of information overload that I mentioned a moment ago. The writer of the Proverbs that I read for you a minute ago gives us, I think, a window into this way of wisdom in chapter 3. And at verse 13, he says, wisdom is a source of blessing. Wisdom is a source of blessing. He says this, and I read it for you, but I'll just read it uh, briefly again. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies and nothing you desire can compare with her. Did you notice here that wisdom is referred to in the feminine? There's a reason for that. Wisdom in the scriptures is always personified as a woman. Now, don't you find that interesting? That the highest form of awareness the place of blessing and joy in life comes from lady wisdom. The Proverbs says that the first thing that we have to gain by wisdom is that we are blessed with understanding. Who among us can't benefit from, from, from this from time to time, being, being blessed by understanding? We mistakenly believe that understanding automatically comes from digesting more information. The more we digest, the, the, the smarter we're going to be and the more understanding of, of the complexities of whatever it is we're reading about will, will um, be. It's not true. Understanding comes only when the information that we gather is subservient to wisdom. The writer of the Proverbs even goes so far to say that blessing of wisdom is more profitable than the yields of precious metals, gold, silver, and precious stones. You see, in the, in the ancient world, if one's pursuit uh, uh, and measure of success was the size of one's stash of gold, silver, or precious stones, then what the, Psalm, or the Proverbs is saying is that wisdom is more valuable than that. That, that is to say, if given the choice of having to choose between a big bank account and wisdom, the writer of the Proverbs says, choose wisdom. Choose wisdom. Now, I think the real blessing of wisdom in the new normal is that we, we have limited capacity for absorbing all of the information that we have access to, and wisdom uh, kind of provides the screen for us to not have to absorb all of that. If Postman and McLuhan uh, that I quoted for you earlier are correct, there is a destructive character to all of this information overload. There is a risk of spending our lives, as Postman says, amusing ourselves to death. I liken it to sort of eating a balanced diet. Uh, we, we can consume a half a gallon of ice cream every day 
and, and maybe stay within our calorie count for the day. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's good for us, right? Our consumption of media and information is similar to that. Some of, uh, some of it's okay. Living on our phones, reading everything that comes into our inbox is not healthy. Uh, take a walk. Enjoy God's creation. Play with your kids or your grandkids. Do something else. A few years ago, I uh, started a practice that I call Unsubscribe Thursday. And so I've been doing this for, I don't know, five, six, seven years. And it's just like it sounds. Every Thursday, I unsubscribe from emails that come into my uh, account that somehow find their way there. And either because I bought something and gave them my email, so now they have access to my email account. Um, and, I, and believe it or not, in the last six or seven years that I've been doing this, I've never had a Thursday where I didn't have something to unsubscribe from. It's, it's endless. And it may seem like a small thing, but I think it's wise. And I think the Proverbs suggests that it's wise for us to control our information rather than our information control us. And then the writer of Proverbs continues at verse 16 by saying this, wisdom increases the quality of our life. And, and this is how we know that. He says, long life is her right hand, and her left hand is riches and honor. You see, in the ancient uh, world, the fact that a person was wise had nothing to do with whether they were educated or not. In, in our culture, we tend to, to connect those two things, right? But they're not really the same thing. Some of the wisest people that I've ever known in my life are, are not educated people. My, my father uh, had a two-year associate's degree, and he worked in the same job for the same company for his entire career, and he was wise. And I regret that I didn't recognize that more when he was still alive. I wasn't wise enough to recognize that he had something to offer me. Wisdom is sometimes gained in the school of hard knocks as much as any formal education that we'll ever have. The writer of the Proverbs describes wisdom as something that extends the quality of our life. That, that's what it means when he says, you have a long life in your right hand and riches and honor in your left. A long life was, it was a blessing because people in those days didn't live long lives. It, it was hard. And it was dangerous, some of the things that they did. And, and your life was often measured. The, the blessing of your life was often measured by how long you actually lived and by the size of your flocks. So, so there you see what the, what the uh, Proverbs is saying is, is wisdom blesses you with these things. Sometimes when I travel to uh, other countries, uh, particularly Africa, I'm actually amazed by the stature and respect that is given to the older generation. Uh, it's very different from our culture. I mean, um, the older I get, the closer I get to being uh, uh, of no use, or at least feeling that way. And in these cultures, the older you get, the more respect you are granted. I think they understand something about wisdom that we don't. 
There's, an, there's a wisdom that comes with age and experience that we should not underestimate. So if you find yourself today in a place where, where you don't have all the answers or you're facing a difficult decision or you're considering uh, uh, an important uh, decision that you don't want to mess up, I would recommend that you consider seeking out someone who has wisdom. Look for that person who's been around the block a couple times and invite them to coffee. Describe your issue, your question, your predicament, and then listen to them. They might have something to offer you. You see, as our population ages and we're on the brink of, of, uh, of being uh, older population with every year that goes by, I think there's a hidden blessing in the collective wisdom that that aging population has to offer us because they've had a lifetime of walking this way of wisdom. The way of wisdom is joy, peace, and life. This is what the Proverbs uh, says. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all of her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold fast to her will be blessed. The way of wisdom is not a taskmaster. The way of wisdom does not force itself on us. The writer of the Proverbs says that the way of wisdom is pleasant, which, which I understand to mean it's, it's more like getting a gentle massage rather than going to the gym. And then you spend the next three days, you know, uh, laying out flat because you're so sore. That's what, that's what I think wisdom is. Wisdom is like getting a gentle uh, uh, massage with nice, nice music in the background. Wisdom's path does not seek strife or conflict. The path of wisdom is peaceful. You will recognize wisdom when you see this character, both in other people, but also in the circumstances that you're in. Finally, the writer of the Proverbs describes wisdom as a tree of life. And all of those who hold fast to this tree will be blessed. This tree shows up in a number of places in Scripture, this, this tree of life. The tree of life is one of two trees that show up in the Garden of Eden, if you recall. And uh, Psalm 1 describes a way of wisdom like a tree, right, that's planted by water which yields its fruit and does not wither. And this tree provides shade in the heat of the day. This tree provides nourishment as we enjoy the fruit that the tree produces in season. When we walk on the way of wisdom, we can enjoy the life that God intended for us to enjoy. The ultimate example of God's wisdom, of course, is Jesus. You knew I would probably get to this, but Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he says this, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of life 
in the world, excuse me, the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God chose the lowly things of this world and the, and the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus who has become for us, listen to this, the wisdom from God, that is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. The path of wisdom, if you choose it, leads us to the person of Jesus, who is the living embodiment and the power of God's wisdom in the world. The path of wisdom presents us with the opportunity to discern and to live a life that doesn't need to spend every waking moment consuming meaningless information. What may seem wise to this world is foolishness to God. Let me just say that again. What may seem wise to this world is foolishness to God. So let us seek to live in this new normal as people who are on a way of wisdom where the foolishness of the world will in the end become clear and the power of God will be revealed in Jesus Christ who is in us. That, that's the choice. That's the new normal that we face in this unusual time. We can... We can saturate our lives with unprocessed information, or we can go to the source of all wisdom, who is Jesus. I hope that you will uh, measure that choice carefully in the, in the weeks and months to come. Let's pray together. God, will you be uh, with us as we face some of the dilemmas uh, of life? And will you help us to choose wisdom more of the time than uh, just absorbing information. And most of all, God, will you enable us as a community of faith, whether we're watching at home or sitting in the sanctuary right now, be people whose lives are animated by the wisdom of God who is Jesus himself. That is my prayer for us this day. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.